The blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. And I'm Adam. And I'm Ken. Hello, Ken. We have a patron with us today. Ken. Uh, Ken (laughs) Your enthusiasm, uh, Ken, is just amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Ken is one of our golden girls. Yeah. right. Yeah, do we have we don't have four golden girls yet, do we? If we don't, or when we do, John, I want us to get an episode with all of them together, and then we're gonna name we're gonna be like Ken, you're totally a Blanche, uh, and then and then uh, Stephen, you're totally a, you're a Dorothy or whatever. So I read an interesting th- uh, fan theory the other day, and we when we do it, we have to do Scarface because the fan theory was is that the four golden girls were actually drug runners. <laughs> and that was the only way they could afford to do everything they had. And they actually, like, broke it down by Golden Girl or what they did. The Sicilian was the mob queen. Yeah. Yeah, it was gotcha. great. Yeah. Nice. She brought up uh, – I'm actually kind of rewatching that show. Or watching it for the first time. I've never really, yeah. really watched it. Um, and they go through some intense – like, they actually, yeah. like – they hit some real shit in that show, like, right away. And I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, good job, Golden Girls. <laughs> so – all right, so uh, this is obviously a, not a Golden Girls episode. <laughs> yeah, but but this album is almost as metal as Golden Girls. Almost. I was going to say, you know Dorothy blasted this. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, so Ken is with us for an album review, and today we are going to be doing the self-titled album Metallica, also colloquially known as the Black Album. Yep, I never. I mean, I think everybody calls it Black Album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which may or may not have been stolen from uh, Spinal Tap. Maybe, or you know, just the opposite of the White Album. So, yeah. yes. Although Spinal Tap did come out before this album, and they did name their album Black Album <laughs> in the show. <laughs> and I remember seeing a behind-the-scenes thing for might have been it might have been like the Metallica, um, uh, the VH1 behind-the-scenes. Yeah. One, mm-hmm. which if you've never, if you actually if you've never seen that one, it's very, very good. And there was a little thing where the guys from Spinal Tap were actually dressed up and berating Metallica for naming their <laughs> album "Black Album," much like their one from the movie. No, no room. I to mean, talk. comically so. No, no yeah. room to talk. <laughs> and speaking so, of, so that VH1 uh, series, yeah. I definitely thought was way better than their "Some Kind of Monster" movie that came out like a couple uh, years yeah. ago. Oh, it was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I didn't bother to see that, so <laughs> probably sounds like it was for the best. Yes, definitely. So, Ken, why are we doing Metallica? Uh, this album made me a man. Uh, <laughs> I remember when it came out, I was pretty much exclusively a Merle Haggard, Johnny Cash. Mm. Uh, the 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 newest I would go with music was probably George Strait. Uh, growing up mm. in Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, spending my summers in Arizona because you know that's what you do. Uh, so, when you leave the, a hot place for someplace hotter, even hotter. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's definitely it, it was the way to go. But you know, where where my family was in Arizona was in Chandler, and what's funny about Chandler is it's a suburb of, of Phoenix, but they they held the record for the longest amount of time where their sheriff actually rode a horse. 
uh, daily. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's what we, we held claim to fame. Uh, now I think it's like the meth capital of Phoenix. It's great. Um, but I remember the day that I listened to this album. I think I was like eight. It was like all of a sudden I was wearing denim and flannel and black (laughs) cut up t-shirts and my hair grew seven inches and all I wanted to do was rock. That was it, and this was the very first metal al- metal album that I ever listened to, uh, and it introduced me to everything else. I think the next day I went and mm-hmm. bought my first uh, CD, which was Aerosmith Gems. Uh, mm. I mean, it really kind of just, it broke wide open. Um, and then fast forward uh, 16 years, uh, and this album I actually listened to every time i would go on a patrol uh with the military when i was deployed uh i would actually listen to the entire album prior to and that was kind of like my lead up my my entrance music for you wrestling fans (laughs) uh you know don't tread on me you know Mm -hmm. holier than thou uh it was it was my pump up music it was what got me going uh and it was really funny was doing some of the research for this album that they they looked at this album as the calmer gentler version of metallica um yeah and it 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 blew my mind because this album introduced me to and justice for all and ride the Mm -hmm. lightning and you know so i understood the thrasher side but with this being the introduction it really gave me that that feeling of this is what rock and roll is supposed to be. You know, a little bit introspective, but still hard. You know, hardcore, mm-hmm. and I, I, I love the hell out of this album. That is fantastic. Yep. Uh, Adam, do you kind of remember when you first heard this album? Uh, it's hard to say. I, I mean, it's hard to distinguish when I first listened to the. I mean, I listened to the full album probably with you, or you know, in our uh, in our shared bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you playing it when we were younger. Uh, but I definitely, I mean, probably, and we'll talk about it when that first song is probably through MTV. Um, understanding was probably the very first time I heard, heard it. Um, but the way the very similar thing happened, uh, to me that, that happened with Ken is this is the album. and, And I think a lot, a lot of Metallica purists would shit on this album because it's like, oh, this is a sellout album and they're not as hard. You know, this is, this is heavy. This is hard rock and not like thrash metal. Mm-hmm. But this is the album that really brought a lot of people to heavy metal. And like I would say myself included, because this was this is the sound I prefer. I prefer this kind of hard rock. And this is on the harder end of hard rock. And so it's like, oh, OK, let me listen to some of their older stuff. Let me get into some like you know, some of the master puppets. Exactly. Ride the lightning, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, oh, wow, that's even that's 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 a different sound. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. And then and then I would get into other people i'd listen to some pantera after that or i'd listen to some other stuff like and it's like wow even though metal quote-unquote real metal people might consider this a sellout album this album probably it it opened up an entire genre for a whole bunch of other people whose only exposure k or their first exposure came from the black album or from mtv and so i it's it's absolutely incredible what this one did i think for music in general you were big uh um Avenged Sevenfold fan, weren't you? Uh, I'm or a Seven with, Dust. Kill, uh, no, Seven Dust. I'm a big okay. Seven. So New Metal, New Metal <laughs> is like I love it, and people love to shit on New Metal, and I hate them. But I love Seven Dust. I love Godsmack. Um, I love System of Down. I mean, nobody really shits on System of Down because they had a, a more unique sound. Um, right. But 
I love new metal and I love kill switch engage that kind of those kind of groups. And this, there's no way I would have transitioned to uh, appreciating that you know mm-hmm. as, as simply as when um, you know if it wasn't for Metallica, I would have gotten there. Yeah. Uh, largely, I had kind of a very same experience. This uh, album was kind of a gateway album for me into mm-hmm. the harder side of rock and roll and into metal. Um, kind of how I equate um, uh, Green Day's Dookie as sort of mm. a gateway album into punk. I can see that. Especially, especially you know, for when it, it came out and I was about the right age. I remember the first time I heard this song, um, I had a friend named Jake who was, even in sixth grade, he was a pretty good bass player and he grew up to be a, an amazing bass player. And he was the one who introduced me to a lot of different bands, especially the harder ones that he was into. Um, so he introduced me to Metallica. He introduced me to Nirvana. He in- introduced me to Helmet. Um, all those old guys in the 90s that I that I became really a big part of my sound growing up, of what I was really listening to, I kind of owe to him. So I'm sure Jake's not listening, but thank you, Jake. <laughs> and that's not Jake from State Farm? It's not Jake from State Park. <laughs> okay, good. I hate that. It's khakis. Dish. It's khakis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about the album. It was released on August 12th of 1991. I would have been 10 at the time that this was released. Uh, released on Electra Records, recorded in L.A., and was produced by James Hetfield, Lars Ulrich, and a guy named Bob Rock, who was kind of, uh, I wouldn't say controversial, but uh, apparently um, apparently Metallica and Bob Rock butted heads a lot while making this album. He was like the antithesis of what Metallica stood for at that time. Like he, so he was actually when they were looking at bringing him on for this album, was about to start recording with Richie Sambora for his oh. solo and you know he rolled with Motley Crue and you know those those groups that Metallica was 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 the was the polar opposite and, and you know like Adam was bringing up before you know the 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 sellouts of the of the heavy metal <laughs> you know side you know and now you you turn on classic rock which is just so sad mm-hmm. that a lot of those guys are now on those stations um you know I pull out classic vinyl on on my my satellite radio and it's well, this is from, you know, the reload. I was like, God, that was, no, that's not classic. No, I don't, I don't, I don't give a damn. I'm not that old yet. Uh, yeah. But what, So Bob Bob Rock was, was that antithesis, and I, I honestly feel like the reason why this album became so instrumental in a lot of people's lives and their career was because they took themselves out of their comfort zone. Uh, mm-hmm. They stopped being... You know, we have to push this thrash, screaming, yelling music and really try to ping what, what at that time was, was the, the conscience of, of the listener, the audience. Um, I think Hemet was saying in an interview uh, prior to that VH1 special that he was literally watching people yawn, you know, in their concerts for Injustice for All. Uh, and it's like, okay, if you're not having a good time, do you think I'm having a fucking good time? No, <laughs> you know, and we, we feed off you. So how can we make this more palatable for the audience, but still stay true to our sound? 
Uh, mm-hmm. And and I I definitely give Bob Rock like all the almost all the credit on that uh, because he yeah. pushed he pushed people that at the time you wouldn't push you know you mm-hmm. wouldn't push Lars uh, you wouldn't push Hetfield <laughs> but they di- he did uh, and you know there's there's a lot of stories rolling around on how how they got his goat was you know throwing up European porn in the uh, the recording studio. Uh, <laughs> Because obviously the way you get to an American is to just throw a lot of dong around. Uh, so, uh, and they did. But again, I feel like it's it's like everything else. It, it takes it takes uh, adversity. It takes uh, you know the opposite of what you are, and really really to pull that greatness from you. Uh, and I think. You know their later stuff, and we're not going to get into that, obviously. But their their, their <laughs> later stuff after after Metallica, you know, after Load, uh, you definitely saw kind of the downswing of that pendulum mm-hmm. where they went too far uh, into mm-hmm. the mainstream. Um, I think this was just that sweet spot that at the cusp of you know where those two forces met. You know the Bob Rock production with with their just crazed attitude. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm sure alcohol and drugs had a little bit to do with it, um, but uh, it, it was all of that that really brought brought this album to it. Uh, so yeah, thank God for Bob Rock, uh, but also fuck him. I guess would be, would be, would be the term. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of uh, David Foster. Have yeah. you guys ever heard of David yep. Foster? A uh, very famous um, uh, record producer. He's produced a lot of big name hits, and he was kind of responsible for. The band Chicago's turn in the '80s, where they went to sort of the soft rock, and then actually made all of their money. Gotcha. <laughs> so you know, and he kind of it, there was a great. There's actually a really good um, documentary about him on Netflix. Right? Mm. I think it's still on there right now. So it's worth it's worth checking out just to hear um, kind of the incredible career he's had, and just kind of the all all the band members, especially the horn members, being like, "Why are we doing this? Like, <laughs> why why am I all of a sudden playing?" You know, synthesizer instead of my horn and and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And he was like, "I got you rich, didn't I?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I gotta say, is there not a better term for a, a member of a band than a horn member? Like, you're the <laughs> horn member. You're not the cool drummer. You're not the lead guitarist. You're that guy in the back in the shadows with your horn, and you play that horn. You play it hard and long. <laughs> He's a hard horn player. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, move on from that. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, the personnel. Uh, largely, the personnel is just the band for this. Uh, James Hetfield on vocals and rhythm, Kirk Hammond on lead, uh, Jason Newstead on bass, who's no longer with the band, and I forget the name of the guy who's with them now, unfortunately. Um, and then Lars Ulrich on drums, and really no one else other than they had some orchestra on Nothing Else Matters. It's Robert Trujillo uh, on bass now. Okay. He started no. in like two two thousand and three ish or so. Yeah, um, he, who seems like a totally fine bass player. I just yeah. I kind of stopped following Metallica after Newstead left anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. just because I kind of lost interest in the band, so I haven't paid attention. Yeah. Um. All right, Adam. Did you have anything else you want to add? You usually have a little. I do have a couple facts. Uh, okay. So this album debuted at number one in ten different countries. It spent four consecutive weeks atop the Billboard 200, making it Metallica's first album to top the album charts. Um, it's uh, it's in the top 30 of best-selling albums of all time in the world. 
Mm. It's a huge album. It's certified 16 times platinum in the U.S. And on the Billboard 200, it has spent 581 weeks on that chart. So obviously not consecutively, but that is 11, over 11 years of being on the Billboard 200. In fact, I checked the Billboard 200 right now. It's at 175. So it is still like <laughs> popping into the Billboard 200 because it's that fucking good of an album. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so for Spinal Tap, they turned it to 11. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boom. Bring it back uh, around. And my last, my last little note is, um, if they, uh, if if they're sixteen times platinum on this one album, I think they're made their money. Lars, stop bitching about Napster, you motherfucker. That's all I want to say. <laughs> that oh god, that actually reminds me. Um, oh god, who was the drummer for the Eagles? Um, that one guy. I don't that know. That one guy. I can't remember. The, I remember guy. Glenn Fry. I remember. Well, yeah, Don Henley. Don Henley. So Don Henley was just recently, um, and by recently I mean like a month or two ago, uh, um, he went to uh, testified for in front of Congress, some committee in Congress, about YouTube, and he was complaining about oh, not getting money from YouTube. And I'm like, you have like the number one, two, or three selling album of all time in the world why are you bitching about this? And I'm pretty sure, I mean, I remember a stat. I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm going to assume it's true because it makes me feel better. <laughs> is that like those those Napster downloads and those YouTube listens, <laughs> they directly correlate now, not right now because of quarantine, and or not quarantine, but because of COVID right. and all that stuff. But like those directly relate to ticket sales exactly. and people going and seeing their concerts. And absolutely. Like I know I, I've, I've spent a lot of money going to concerts cause I enjoy some of those bands and some of them, I only got their music through Napster or through Kazaa or whatever. So yeah. don't worry. The FBI won't come knocking on your door now. <laughs> yes. Just, yeah. just so you're aware. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm loud and proud. Uh, I'm out and proud about my Napster use. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it was, it was LimeWire for me. LimeWire. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and kick this thing off with our first song, which was also the first song that they wrote for the album called Inner Sandman. To me, I mean, this is a classic. Uh, it's this the is the classic. classic. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> number one on the uh, uh, the classic rock uh, stations that you're listening oh, to right now, right, Kent? <laughs> <laughs> so painful. But it is, man. What a way to start an album as well. Like yeah. just that that kind of slow build that this one has. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you, like, you, you, I, everybody, all of us, you know this song after like one strum of the guitar, yeah. two strums, do do. Oh yeah, yes, this is the song. <laughs> this is Entertainer Man. So. I, I think Metallica is famous for that, though. I mean, you, you yeah. same with Master of Puppets or you know yeah. one or one. You yeah. don't even need bum, bum, a bum. full bar 
mm-hmm. of the guitar or the bass. I mean, you could pull everything out and just go drums and be like, yep, that's Inner Sandman. Yeah, yeah I yeah. know it. <laughs> uh, and I am convinced that if they still had that on MTV, it would not be as shit as it is today. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch the music video for this one. The music video isn't as good as I remember. I remember it being like really intense hardcore, but most of it just looks like it's a choppy um, shutter uh, frame or shutter um, speed and a lot of um, dissolves from one person into another. But it's dark and it worked so well. I mean, pretty much it's an epileptics nightmare, that uh, that music video. <laughs> but it, it, it fit for the time and it was huge. Yeah. I was thinking about this as I was listening to this album. We've lost the art of the guitar riff. Yes. Mm-hmm. The memorable, like, rhythmic guitar riff that y- that you can sing, you know? You, you just can't s- you can't sing the guitar parts anymore. Like, not that you hear a lot of guitar parts to begin yeah. with. Um, but we've, we've kind of lost that. In, even, I think, sometimes in rock. It's just mm-hmm. we, we get a lot of chords. We just don't get those cool riffs anymore. Well, bring it back to Bob Rock, and I was going to save this for later, but I'll go ahead and bring it up now. Uh, he was the one that introduced the having it tuned multiple different ways on this album for Metallica. At that point, they had never done that. All of their oh. tunes were uh, the lower E. Uh, so he had them go down <laughs> to the D. Yeah, the D. So the he dropped D. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, oh, I, I see what you did there. Ah, yeah, see you there? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it helps that you you have bad taste in music videos, uh, but uh, <laughs> it's not. No, it's oh, a. Good, I didn't uh, anyways, say it was a bad. Uh, it's not so as good. Fuck you. <laughs> having 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 the uh, the the different tunes of the guitar, and then like Adam said, you know, you can't start any rock playlist without this being at the very least in the top five. I mean, you mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. you can't. Uh, it, it is one of the one of the greatest songs to start an album with, and how how awesome is it that this was the first song, and they were like, "Yep, yeah. this is this is what we're gonna go with." And then of course, yeah, Hetfield uh, original lyrics were a little bit more darker uh, than than it came out. Hmm. Uh, he was wanting to sing about uh, babies dying in their cribs, um, <laughs> no. you know. So that's that's a way of starting an album. Uh, and again, Bob Rock came in, yeah, you know, maybe we should bring this back just a hair. You know, you guys want to be inclusive and all. Let's go ahead and not talk about babies dying in crypts. Um, and obviously, I think it was pretty successful, them adjusting the lyrics. But uh, uh, he added the lyrics way, way after they had actually laid down the song. Um, mm. And coincidentally, this was the very first album that they actually laid down all of their tracks live in studio with each other. Uh, they oh, wow. they didn't play them separately uh, as they had before. They actually played them in sync with the with each other. And I can only imagine, you know, when Lars is on his third, you know, cocaine binge, uh, <coughs> you know, hey man, you need to be on this. And yeah, it was great. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's it's just fucking awesome. It really is. It is. It hit number uh, sixteen on the Billboard Hot 100. I mean, it, it, you're right though. This is this is a the classic Metallica song, the, the probably the best known Metallica song in their entire library. And for good reason though, like it is, it, it has mass appeal and that's a really good thing. It is mm-hmm. so fun. It is so catchy, but the, the guitar riff is goddamn amazing. And Hetfield's voice, like, and this is something I'm going to, I'll bring up probably throughout. There's a couple different songs that I think he actually has even, he does, he leads vocally better, but he has such a great metal voice. And it works so well um, on this on this you know 
metal slash hard rock album. And I'm so happy about it. All right, let's move on to number two, the second song on the album, which I will go ahead and disappoint everyone by telling you this is my favorite song on the album. Oh, really? No, yeah. Okay. I have Norm- different words. I'm waiting. Normally, Adam gives me some sort of snarky comment. That's I what will, I'm waiting but, on. But, but uh, you haven't even said the. I'll let you say the song, and then I'll I'll, I'll release my comments in a bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So, well, normally you just give me something, and then I give you the title. <laughs> All right. Uh, the song is "Sad but True." To me, this is a classic headbanger oh, yeah. song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the deep tones they get because they actually detuned not only to D, but they dropped tune. So they dropped they did drop yeah they dropped D tune. Wow, there's got to be a better way for me to say that. <laughs> um, they did a they dropped tune to D. That's it. Drop tune. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Detuned. They detuned. Let's spend, let's spend more time on this. Uh, yes. <laughs> how many how many times can I say the word D? Now, but then they sh- took the whole guitar and re and detuned it down to low A, which is really really low. So they got a, a nice low grumble out of the guitars by really detuning them. Editor John here. Um, I was incorrect in the tuning because I was going off of my memory of the bass part, and in the bass part they use a five string bass. Uh, detune down, which would give the lowest string an A. So actually what they're doing is they're using a standard tuning, uh, E-A-D-G-B-E, and they took all the strings and detuned them one step. One step, one whole step down so that the bottom string uh, is D and then everything is also uh, down a whole step up from there. So my apologies for the mistake. Wow, that was sad, but also true. (laughs) Anyway, that was more so true, but also sad. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys! I'm going home. Uh, I I like this song. This was actually not anywhere near my top half. I w- I actually kind of my note here was taste. I would say <laughs> solid. I would I said I would call this solid filler. Um, if anything on this album can really be called filler because they're all fantastic yeah. songs, but like. To me, it's it's obviously not as complex as Enter Sandman, as you said, a head banger. But I, it's funny. I just said, oh, it's something that you could uh, kind of bop your head to. I, I don't know why I wrote <laughs> "bop your head to" to a Metallica <laughs> song, but but it is. It is one that I kind of move or, or you kind of stomp your feet. This would be perfect for um, you know being out in, in a mass crowd, you know, getting ready uh, for the like. If they were setting me up for a mosh pit and like getting us pumped up, and then something heavier was gonna come, I think that would be for it. Uh, and I like this one. It's, it's, it's there, but it's not. It's not anywhere near the top for me. Yeah, it did hit uh, number ninety-eight on the Billboard Hot One Hundred. So, 
Still, I think it was the enough. last uh, single that they released for this mm-hmm. album. Yeah, I, I hate to say it, but I agree with Adam. Um, Why do you hate to say that? I'm just <laughs> say it. You know, it's nah. I, revel, I, I kinda, revel in I kinda it. Kinda agree. No, so this is like on on my scale of of one to twelve for the for the tracks. This is definitely like my sixth. Um, yeah. yeah. It's it is that it's the pregame. It's the pregame for for mm-hmm. the that that. Come on, let's let's get it. Let's let's fight again. Let's do something crazy or you know go out and wax the camaro you know it's that it's get get out and and do something is, uh, is that is that what you do when you're getting really hardcore is you go out and wax camaro <laughs> is, that, is yes. that something that, <laughs> yeah i don't know if we can say what that uh, anyways uh so is that a euphemism for something yeah i guess that so, might over my be head. uh but uh <laughs> t-tops it's fine uh but um <laughs> I think I like the lyrics more than I do the the actual instrumental on this. I mean, I really love the instrumental, uh, but uh, the transitions, the it's it's really it, it pumps you up. But uh, it's 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 a solid six out of twelve for me on this one. Fine, I'm just gonna leave it at that. I'm legitimately trying to find out wax a Camaro on Urban Dictionary, and I'm not finding it yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just an idiot. I was right. going for the white snake, okay? You go out and wax the Camaro, you know? It's, it's uh, good. Oh. It is, see? Okay. And that happens. See, you can't be figurative with us. you got to be literal. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Baby words. Wax uh, the that is sad, but, but true. true, John. Oh. Uh, <laughs> dear God. I can't wait for number nine. <laughs> 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 All right, let's move on to the next one, which is called Holier Than Thou. So this seems to me like it's very much like a throwback to some of their older albums. It's yeah. a little more thrash sounding, um, a little bit more traditional Metallica for those who were up until this point not familiar with the the new sound that they were going through. Which uh, you heard my statement about Sabbath True, which uh, Ken obviously agreed with because why wouldn't he agree with me? <laughs> um, but it was yes, yeah, Sad But True led us led me actually really well into Holier Than Thou because this one is harder. It does, like, I am ready to punch somebody in a mosh pit. I'm ready to go. <laughs> this one, love the guitar riff on this one. Um, yeah, this one is hard. I, 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 I was eased into it in this album, and I think that's what made it so good to me. I actually, this is definitely in my, in my top half. I love Holier Than Thou, and I think that's probably what's going on. Um, is There's really good flow on this album. Yeah. And Enter Sandman, good complex, then it gets a little bit simpler with Sad But True, and I'm, all right, I'm ready for something harder, and then it hits me harder. And so I'm like, you know, I, this song is driving. Like, right now, just listening to that little bit, I want to go work work out. I don't care what it is. John, <laughs> just give me fucking something to lift. I'm going to lift it right now. Like, that's 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 where you – so, Ken, you listen so, to this. So many. When you when you go out, um, you know, on, on your duty, your call, your uh, – I said calls of duty, but, you know, your tours. <laughs> yes, the calls of duty. <laughs> it's just like that. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to this album when I lift, 
And so this is the this is a song that I want to like time it perfectly when I'm when I put on the extra plate and I'm gonna do a couple extra reps uh, on squat or something. Holier than thou is perfect for it. Well, remember the bar is only forty five pounds, so that yeah. extra plate of tens <laughs> is really gonna get it in there. Um, so You're hol- not very nice. <laughs> so holier than thou, it's kinetic. Uh, you, you want to move. This takes me back to like drag racing in the street with you know my '76 Nova. Uh, it just really you just want to go. Uh, so this for me is a is a running song. This is that sprint. Mm. It's the going up the hill, you know. And I the flow from the the lyrics to the instrumental is great. And that holding out the note, uh, you know, that oh, it's just it's there. Yeah. Uh, and this is in my top side of my of my uh my list Mm -hmm. um and uh yes uh going out for calls of duty uh it's just (laughs) like the video game except you don't get all those cool you know three three kill uh kill streaks uh you you don't get Uh, cool things like that you don't have like a hud that pops up and be like "Woo, good job yeah yeah. kill tastic (laughs) exactly actually i always picture it more like the mortal kombat whoopsie That'd be, that's yeah, that's kind of what I always wanted, but you know, much yeah. like having my life narrated by Morgan Freeman, it just hasn't worked out yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, I can already tell that I'm uh, definitely out uh, outvoted here on most of these songs, and I'm probably going to be the opposite in a lot of things, because well, how Adam felt about Sad But True is how I feel about this song. It's good filler. Uh, <laughs> John. Wow. Why? Interesting. Why, Headfield's John? voice, yeah, the the way that holier than thou, like he really leads this song. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean not, he does. I wouldn't say he leads it. Probably Kirk Hammett and just going fucking nuts on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I love his vocals, I, and I really like. He's got a great kind of heavy, hard scream to it, and so that's why I think partly why I'm I'm also drawn to holier than thou. Uh, all right, uh, let's go on to number four, called the Unforgiven. All right, so what all I'm going to say right now, I'm going to let you kind of you guys talk about this one before I give my thoughts. Jesus. Um, it, I will say it is a great, what they've done with these first four songs is a great up and down. Mm-hmm. They've built us up to Holier Than Now and then drop us right back down for Unforgiven so that, you know, we're not spending so much time just, you know, all the way through. It's given us a good, um, as Adam would say, a good flow. Which... I mentioned that earlier, but that is, that's, yeah, exactly. It's important for an album, and probably partly why this album um, is one that I, I would bet all three of us, when we put it on, more often than not, we put it on and we let it ride mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's got a good flow. And John, your comment actually was the first thing I wrote down was this slows things down consider- considerably, which is probably for the best because if we went hard again, I'd probably pop a blood vessel from <laughs> rocking too hard. Um, and that's the case. Like I, I needed this slowdown, and I'm, I'm very thankful for it. 
Yeah, I, I honestly feel like they're they're set up for these tracks. Uh, f- f- flow is a great word for it, but it's the it's the come down before you go back up. It's the um, I, I, I call it the outrage equation. You can't be outraged all the time. You actually mm-hmm. have to come down before you can actually have that emotional feel. You know, or you know, chasing the dragon, drugs, anything you want to equate that to, there there has to be a, a baseline. And Unforgiven did that for me. Um, I remember the first time I listened to it, and I was like, "Holy shit, he can actually sing!" Uh, <laughs> and and because you know, obviously this was my first time ever listening to it, but you know, you know, uh, piece of trivia: Chris Isaac's work influenced this heavily. Uh, mm. He. Uh, Hetfield brought this in. He was like, "I'm tired of yelling at everything," and I can only imagine that as a dad, as a soldier, as an individual that loves the sound of my own voice. I can't stand yelling all the time, and mm-hmm. I've found obviously that the better way of getting people to listen is to be quieter, is to have that that pull, and that's what I real that's what I wrote down for the Unforgiven. It's that pull. The here, come on, come on in. Come, come have mm-hmm. some cookies and milk in my van. You know, it's cool. Don't worry about that. And then I'm going to rock. You know, it's... I, the Unforgiven is the is the prelude to what's to come. And I... Uh, yeah. Did you do a stint as a drill sergeant? No. Uh, I have never been a drill sergeant. Uh, I am a, I am an NCO. Uh, so you, you get to oh, okay. do that kind of stuff anyways uh, with, with your soldiers when you have them. And then, in my case, a lot of the officers I work with... Um, because I have no filter, uh, it's it's only it's only gotten me into great trouble uh, a couple of times. Uh, coincidentally, I was I was talking about this uh, with a with a buddy of mine uh, a little while ago about how I'd probably be further along in my career now if I didn't have such uh, issues with tact. Um, <laughs> but honestly, uh, to to bring it back to this, it's that lure. Uh, yeah, you you catch more flies with honey. Uh, than you do with a shit bomb. Uh, so <laughs> if, if you can bring people back, and I, I, I think this song really equates to if you're scared by our previous work, this is what we can do now. And, you know, holier mm-hmm. than now was that, was that back, you know, bringing the loyalists back. The Unforgiven's like, but it's okay, new listener. Here, let me let me take it. Let, let me take you by the arm, friend. It's fine. Let me let me lead you to the promised land of what's to come. Yeah. So we've kind of mentioned, um, you know, how the how effective we think the song is in terms of the album, but we haven't, we haven't really talked about the song itself. Do we like the song? I, I'm gonna go ahead and say yes. I think it's a great song. I feel okay. that I, honestly, like lyrically, I'm I, you're taking on a journey here. You know, this, mm-hmm. or not a journey, but like a real story. Like Headfield, this is them doing a, a storytelling song, and I appreciate it. Um, and it, it hit number 35 on the Billboard Hot 100, so it was one of their higher charting songs, even on this album. Um, so I'm definitely a fan. It was funny when I was uh, when I was listening to this album, you know, for the prep. Um, uh, my, my wife was like. Oh, hey, what do you listen to? I said, oh, Metallica. She's like, oh, I, I only know one song by them. And she's like, yeah, it's called The Unforgiven, mm-hmm. number two. Number two. Oh. Was the, she's like, uh, no. the, the Unforgiven, no, number no. two. And I'm like, uh, she's like, is that on the album? I'm like, no. Get the out. Unforgiven is get, on get this out. album. <laughs> so I, 
of the two slower songs, this is this is not my favorite on the album. Uh, um, okay, I I like it uh, for what it is. Um, and again, I believe it's really that introduction for the the wider audience uh, into what they could do. Um, mm-hmm. Lyrically, I don't I don't think it's as good as that some of their other stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And then of course it spawned uh, not one but two. Uh, yeah, exactly. Sequels. sequels? Yeah. yeah, Death yeah, Death Magnetic has uh, uh, number three on it. Whoa. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Their last album though wasn't wasn't as bad. So when you it's say not, wasn't as bad, as what are you bad. comparing that to? It's like the dude. To, to de- the I'm comparing it to Death. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it, better than Death Magnetic. Oh God, I hated that album too. Yeah. But, you know the the funny thing is as that lead up for for Unforgiven right before you hit that first stinger. Uh, I was similarly to Adam. I was having a conversation with my wife, uh, and she was like, "Wait, that's not the one I know." I was like, "What are you talking about?" She's like, "Yeah, it goes dad, and no, that's Unforgiven too. It's not even yes. in the lexicon of Metallica." <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Why? Why? And then yep. threatening a divorce, and it's just yeah, not good exactly. Stuff. Uh, interestingly enough, I I was just looking at this. The when they released the actual single. The B side, one of the B sides, was a song called "So What." If nice. you're familiar with their, yeah, um, yeah. yeah with their, what. what was the name of their cover album that they did? Reload. No, no, no. Was oh, it, no, that's uh, it was, it was Garage Inc., wasn't it? Yeah, Garage Inc. Yeah, Garage yeah. Inc. Yep. I actually liked that album. I liked hearing all their covers. They yep. they really uh they brought that one back for um what the hell S and M uh they did oh, okay. they did a cover of of So What on that one. Okay. I really like that song too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. Fun is about the best word I can use to oh. describe it. S and M is glorious. Yes, um, I'm, not, I'm not talking about Metallica. I'm just in general. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, as, <laughs> well, actually, yes, the Metallica S and M. If anybody doesn't have that, and they they want to see some uh, a band as as intense as Metallica, um, just just go orchestral with stuff and how it blends so perfectly. Yeah, one of my God, children was out. conceived to that album. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> you didn't name them after the album, did you? I'll neither <laughs> confirm nor deny, John. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. All right, moving on. <laughs> All right, uh, and that brings us to another one, which I believe was re- uh, less, uh, yeah, released as a single. Hit number 82 on the yeah. Billboard Hot 100. Right. That is uh, Wherever I May Roam. So a little bit of an up. We're kind of they're slowly mm-hmm. bringing us back up, um, you know, uh, in, in terms of uh, 
God, I can't think today. Um, Flow. Let me start that whole tempo? fucking thing okay. all over again. <laughs> tempo, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to. I was trying to think of a better word than just tempo. Um, oh well, fuck me. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> John. John likes I'm to too- use these fancy music words that you and I wouldn't understand. <laughs> all right, I'm just gonna start from the from the beginning. Um, I like this song. What do you guys think? <laughs> that was excellent. Uh, it's like watching so, yeah. a master class. <laughs> and what not to do from podcasting. Well, I uh, liked it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, I I think it's particularly interesting. They start off with like a sitar sound, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and it's really, I mean, exactly. It's something different. Um, and then it, the drums come in and it, and it hits hard. And then it goes like full-blown fucking hard rock. And then it backs off mm-hmm. again. So it's like it, this song itself has its own, um, you know, little... Inner mini, mini flow before it gets back into the heavy flow of the entire album. Um, yes, I just was trying to say heavy flow. I was going to say, so this podcast is sponsored by Playtex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think ebb and flow is a more. Eb- e- yeah, <laughs> eb- yes, a good, good ebb and flow. Eben. Um <laughs> And uh, Hetfield, he's got his, his singing is awesome on this song. Um, and yeah, I, I think this is a solid one. It, it's not. I don't know. It's not hitting me as like as hard as uh, Holier Than Thou, but this is one that I'm I really appreciate this song for sure because it is it, it, it's exact as you put it the ebb and flow. Yeah. So I I, I move this one up. This is like my number five. Uh, funnily mm-hmm. enough, you brought up Godsmack earlier. This song mm-hmm. on my playlist is right before Voodoo, which is very oh, much in that Voodoo. same realm, right? <laughs> yeah. And it uh, is. So. What I really like about this song is that you go zero to sixty, and then back down to zero. Mm. So it's ta- it's taking you know the unforgiven uh, feel, and it's slowly bringing you up and down like a roller coaster. Um, and it's also another one of Metallica's songs that you start hearing that first f- ten seconds of the song and you automatically know mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. one if I don't know if it's wherever I roam you should probably just you know jump off a cliff um but you know it's metallica you know it you you know it it's mm-hmm. that ear recognition and uh i yeah i like for whatever i'm around all right well let's go on to uh in my opinion probably the most american song on this <laughs> yeah, album <freedom>. america <laughs> and that is don't tread on me So I always kind of found the the chorus a little bit weird and forced um, when they're trying to throw in "Don't Tread on Me" like all really fast lyrically. But this last time going through it, it didn't bother me as much, and I actually kind of rather enjoyed it. Well, that's because you're not a communist, John. <laughs> <laughs> you damn hippie commie. So this is my number two song. 
this is okay. uh, obviously it's it, it it brings up you wish every time you listen to this song Camacho would come walking out with his two M60s just blowing away and you know it, it, it brings bald eagles will fly in with playboy playmates you know while Abraham Lincoln just tips his hat just just so you know at you uh, don't tread on me is is one of my favorite all-time Metallica songs um, and the, the reason I feel that way is I remember you know my grandfather's house had the Gladstone flag that was that was the, the flag um so definitely biased uh on that and you know obviously for for reasons that are hitherto unknown for a lot of people uh the patriotism for certain songs yeah you could probably say it was it was used more to uh to bring in certain audiences especially during that time in 91 because you know i don't know if you if you realize but right around that time certain things were happening uh for america uh, on the worldwide stage, um, so definitely mm-hmm. brought in that that feel. Um, but for for me, it the the song can be eclipsed in the first thirty seconds. Um, just mm-hmm. the drums and the and yeah, and you're you're marching yeah. and you're and you and you're ready to go, ready to roll. And I remember this was this song was played um, for my, one of my units uh, during the last day of like a seven day exercise when you're just exhausted and you're on a 13 mile road march and then they play this song the last three miles and you're just you're ready to run and ready to roll so special place in my heart uh, yeah so Ken mentioned the the Gazin flag which is the classic I mean it's classic now obviously but um, it's the snake with the words don't tread on me under it um, which was used during the American Revolutionary War so it's a very patriotic American thing um, since then it also it's kind of been incorporated by uh, I think that even the US Marine Corps and other um, people of the military uh, and even up to like uh, kind of the American Tea Party movement now is even using it. I mean, it's, it's kind of become like a more of a right wing thing with a lot of stuff, but um, it, it had its origin, uh, its originations or whatever from um, the Revolutionary War. It is uh, it, even actually in the uh, the the front album. You know, the, all they had they have the Metallica on the left top left corner, and then they have the the Gazden flag snake on the bottom right. Even though it's an all black album, it's a kind of a slightly less black mm-hmm. snake, so you notice it there. Um, the uh, the instrumentation at the beginning is an eight bar phrase that they pulled from the song America mm-hmm. from the from West Side Story. I like to be in America, okay by me in America, everything free in America. For a small fee in America. Okay. So it's kind of all ties into that as oh, well. Oh yeah. yeah. That do 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 do. I want to live in America. America. Yeah, exactly. Um, this one is definitely a headbanger. This is a, you know, I wanna, I wanna get some extra reps in, if you will, those ten pound plates, as you put it, Ken. Um, but this is this is a good one. And apparently, it's Hetfield said the song was a reaction to the anti-establishment tone of their album and Justice mm-hmm. for All. This is the other side of that. He says America is a fucking good place, <laughs> and like, so this is kind of about that and it is America's a pretty damn good place as much as I hate a lot of other people in America I still love America uh, it's still pretty freaking awesome and I am um, I'm happy to be here and uh, this song makes me maybe even a little bit more happy because you can make awesome songs like Don't Tread On Me it's good yeah. shit it's, it's hard to for, for a lot of people to wrap their head around how good it is um, until you go mm-hmm. to places where it's not 
um when, yep. when you when you go to a place where you can't even put on this album there are still places where you cannot have this album and you're people are very confused by that uh because why mm-hmm. wouldn't you um right. it's yeah yeah i and justice for all is probably my second favorite album from metallica for just that mm-hmm. purpose because art is that mm-hmm. you should be able to look at both sides and really appreciate yeah. both things uh and i really i i i kind of the only I'd say negative I have towards this whole album is I really kind of feel like they came up with the album art like okay we have to shoehorn this somehow um <laughs> like so how are we gonna do this okay we really want a black album why well because Spinal Tap no I think you know we're gonna opposite of the Beatles because you know the Beatles suck no okay this is what we're gonna do we're gonna do it and then we're gonna put a, a song saying don't tread on me okay how do we make this cool and then they just started playing it's like alright that's pretty cool so I I, I, I I feel like it was kind of a shoehorn of an idea, but it bore fruit that was unintended, and and I feel like that's what this song is. All right, well, let's move on to the number seven song on the album called "Through the Never." All that is, was, and will be. So we get kind of the the same like throwback thrashing thrasher feel at the mm-hmm. beginning of this, and then Lars comes in and like takes us in halftime, mm-hmm. which just makes me think that Lars was being lazy. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't. Why would that be lazy? I don't. I, tell me. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know enough about. I forgot all my music stuff, John. So why is <laughs> why is halftime bad? It's not that it's Cause bad. Because football just... taught me that halftime is good, and yeah. <laughs> Orange slices and water. That's what I picture with with halftime, all right? (laughs) There you go. Uh, By halftime, I mean like, so, you know, you have the and that's what you think you're going to get. And then he gives you like a little taste of it, and then he comes in with like, that's halftime. So it's like double the amount of time in between that you think you're going to get. So, like, I wanted to push, push, push. Cause that's that's what that was what my expectation is. Now sometimes um, subverting your expectations is a good thing. You're pleasantly surprised by something. In this case for me, I was like, no, I wanted the thing that you were giving me. I wanted that push, mm. and I didn't get it. And this is strictly from a drummer's perspective. This isn't even really about the song. It's just about what Lars was doing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna leave myself off on that. Adam, why don't you that, tell us? Um, I I. I didn't think about that. That didn't bother me. I really enjoyed this one. Um, it's also got a, a great guitar solo in this song. I mean, and they, they, they are going to throw some more in. I think my, my favorite guitar solo comes later in the album. But this, you know, this the one thing that I think is really cool about this song is there's some actual philosophical things with this song. It's called Through the Never and lyrics with like, Time and space never ending, disturbing thoughts, questions pending, limitations of human and un- human understanding. All that is ever, ever was, will be ever, twisting, turning through the never. Like, 
that's actually that's fucking poetry right there just mm-hmm. listening to that on its own and then when i mean and so taking like that art and putting it into the the intensity of like the heavy metal that they're playing i think works really well and something that you don't get with a lot of other stuff like the the song you know before is don't try to me fuck yeah america's awesome and then this one's like this is there's some existential shit with through the never <laughs> and i actually really appreciate that so through the never is definitely on my lower end on the album I, mm. it's it's a good song obviously I, I i can't really fault any of these songs being for being mm-hmm. bad but yeah. I, I it's one of those where i'm not going to say it feels like it's done it's been done you know that the, their mm. tempo their their timing their the the, the way the guitar set, the guitar is set up um I, it just kind of felt that way to me um i i like i like the lyrics uh, i think hetfield is is great and he's a lyricist from hell uh, but when you were talking about that, Adam, all I could think of was the scene where, like, these guys know how to party or what? From Wayne's World. Yeah. It means the good land. <laughs> That's the- Alice Cooper knows about that stuff. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, uh, the one thing, I guess, if we're somewhat done with Through the Never, I mean, it is, yeah, it's, I, I also really like, we've talked about the awesome heavy flow of this album. And, uh, What's what's happening? Because they're heavy metal guys. That's why. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we got it. That's the only it. reason. Thanks. Yeah, you got it. Okay. <laughs> um, but like, I think this song transitions not not musically very well, but I would say um, of the thought process and and the existential pro- the thought provoking manner from through the never. It's someone like who's dealing with some shit of like you know what the hell what are we here for? And then they get to the next one. It's just like eh, fuck it. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to that next one. Uh, fuck it, and uh, probably be if I had if I had to take a guess, might be their second most well known song. Yeah, it was number number thirty four on the Billboard Hot One Hundred, so their second yeah. highest charting, yeah. uh, and that is "Nothing Else Matters." Trust I see and I find in you every day for a song. So this is, I, I actually, I've always loved this song, and it's, I think it's because of its simplicity compared to everything else. I mean, this, this is one of the songs that I used to use to teach guitar players how to play guitar, because you don't even literally have to put your left hand on the guitar to play the opening riff. It's all open strings, so it's super easy to play, but that doesn't make it any, any less impactful mm-hmm. in the actual uh, music. I you know I mean it's it's we've we've rotten it down. This is probably the slowest jam on the yeah. song. I would say I th- I think it is slower than Unforgiven. Yeah, um, but I I think it's very impactful. Well, I I was just kind of thinking back at the reason why I tried to learn to play guitar was this song, and now that I know it's because it was so simple that John used it to teach beginners. This is a guitar. <laughs> I, and these are uh, the, he, he taught elementary yeah, in case you're yeah, curious he taught yeah. elementary I mean, school I, I did kids just learn how to play it I'm 30, 33 years old but 
I could do it, damn it. Uh, but this this song, it, it well, one, it was it was a, a love song, you know, because obviously nothing else matters but love. I'll, I'll just trail off with that. Um, <laughs> funny. So a couple of uh, of points uh, I did some on the research was uh, the video has Hemet playing it, but he's actually not playing this. Uh, Hetfield laid down the track for this. Uh, he actually yeah. played it, which right. was pretty cool. And uh, three out of the four band members were going through a divorce when they started uh, playing or uh, writing this song. So, you know, Hetfield was over there going, yeah, this is for my girlfriend. I love her so much. And the other three are like, fuck that bitch. <laughs> fuck her. <laughs> She's a terrible human being. She's going to break your heart and take your stuff. Um, so I can only imagine how that all kind of trailed off. But I feel like this... One, this is my favorite slow jam of, of Metallica uh, mm-hmm. ever, uh, and for, for good reason. That's the reason why more people know this song than probably any other. Other than Inner Sandman, I feel like this is one that everybody yeah. knows. Um, yeah. And what's really cool is to see the group, and we talk about flow, obviously, the heavy flow of mm-hmm. this album. Yes, uh, super seeing, heavy. So I went and saw them when... Um, what was it? Which uh, it was after? It was uh, two thousand like six. Uh, they they were they were touring and they they played most of this album. They went right from Inner Sandman uh, to uh, uh, of Wolves and Men, and then went to Nothing Else Matters. So you had these really hard rocking, like you felt the vibe going in this in the crowd, and then they just dropped into it, um, and it was cool to see an entire crowd just it swept and it was a it was a visceral feeling uh seeing the crowd uh you know you know drop into this song uh and yeah i, I love the hell out of this song you, you okay with it ken oh uh, that'd be that <laughs> that would dog. be the horse that's upstairs <laughs> <laughs> what a horrible um, thing to call your wife oh, oh. <laughs> I, was, I was like I was going to ask, um, I wonder how many of the band members of Metallica, how many of their divorces finalized before this album came out and ma- reached massive uh, amounts of money? Because if, if it took that much longer, then uh, poor guys. But if they knocked it out beforehand, I'm sure that they were happy. That's okay. I'm sure it wasn't the first divorce any of them had. So yeah. if it wasn't yeah. that one, it was the one after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> True. So yeah, this, uh, my thoughts. It's a great source and I, a song. I do like this one. Similar to um, how Ken said, I probably like this one better than the Unforgiven. Um, just it's beautiful. It's a, this is a song that you know a guy, a person, a random Joe out there who is not into heavy metal can put this song on and still be like, wow, this is like a, a rocking soft song, not a soft rock song, but you know what right. I mean. Yeah. But like this is a rocking soft song, and it has it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. This song kind of reminds me of what was the name of that Stone Sour song that was really popular on the radio in the early two thousands? Bother, bother, yeah, yep. bother, and then nothing else on the album sounded at all right. like it. Mm-hmm. I imagine that in the early nineties there was there was a lot of that. There was on this was on yep. radio, people heard it like oh that's great, and then they heard and listened to the rest of the album and it was like this is better. They got don't tread. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like bother, <laughs> but the other stuff is is better. Or just just listen to Slipknot. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my opinion. <laughs> oh, I love oh, Rammstein. Yeah. All right, all right. Uh, let's go on to number nine, Adam of Wolf and Man. Up to the new- 
I really love the intro to this song, um, where you get the just the the driving bump, 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 and then the intersporadic sort of climbing of the other guitar that's on the offbeat, um, mm-hmm. where they kind of split the split the beat between the two of them. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna music nerd myself right here, and and uh, in in classical music we call that a hocket. I just did that. <laughs> <laughs> when uh when two parts are playing on on basically on opposite beats or on opposite parts so like one is filling in the rest of the other it's called a hocket i know you're very impressed incredibly uh, but <laughs> it's a cool word listen this is why i'm here <laughs> this is the only yeah. thing i'm bringing to this party yeah you were you were too pretentious to say the word tempo um but now now you're throwing out the big stuff yeah i actually really enjoy this song I would probably put this in my top half. Uh, for me, it's definitely definitely on the lower half. Um, I, I, I like it, of course, because I like the whole album. I, I enjoy that the intensity is kind of brought back up. Um, potentially, it's about werewolves, <laughs> maybe. But it's also kind of, at least in the, in the least, it's about the relationship of man and nature and man's wild side. Um, and it's good. I mean, I actually, I remember with my very shitty rock band that I had in high school, I wrote a song called Of Wolf, Of Man. Um <laughs> That was also very hard rocking. It was not. I was not too. Um, I was not a very creative kid. <laughs> so, but I was definitely listening to this album quite a bit, uh, and I loved Wolves, and that's so I wanted to write a song. <laughs> and I was like, oh wait, yeah, there's already this one. Um, but it's good. It's good. It's just for me. It's probably it's on that that lower third even. Okay. So this is my number three. So thank thank you, John, oh. for for redeeming Sweet. this. At least so I got on I, somebody's I can good side. Say Adam sucks. But probably as good as Up Wolf of Men. But uh, you know, I'm sure it probably would have charted. It was fine. Uh, yes. No, we were terrible. <laughs> it didn't even chart out of the basement. I'll... Yeah. Uh, but the uh, it, I I feel like it's operatic. Like the the build mm, is yeah. just so harsh. And and we talked existential, you know, for through the never. I feel like that's the same for this. Like you're you're you've got this, you know. I, I always picture, you know, the werewolf is probably the best the best way of going. But you know, the the guy in his suit and tie, he's just kind of going through the motions, you know. But he looks out and he sees the world, and what he wants to do is listen to this song and go tear shit up. Um, and this is this is one of those songs that gets you in the zone to go and do something hardcore, uh, which is probably why it's in my top three. Um, I, I know this is looking at my iTunes. This is my second favorite favorite track from this album, um, but it, it's definitely it's it's one of those you listen to it and you and, and you want to go fight somebody uh, or, or break <laughs> things or you know you're not going to have a tea party. Uh, after this song, or maybe you will. Uh, that's that's cool too. It'd be one hell of a tea party. You sound like you need some. Um, uh, you need to take a, sit, a seat on the couch and kind of just talk through some issues, Ken. <laughs> a little that's, therapy. That's 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 what I do. So this is me after <laughs> therapy. So okay. 
Thank, thank you okay. for bringing that up, Adam. <laughs> wow, Adam. Way to go. Oh, God. Our American soldiers have more to deal with than, than, yeah. than your pretentious ass. Than my, yeah, than my shit. <laughs> Why don't you go hawk it, Adam? Go hawk it. I <laughs> Fuck the whole time he was saying yeah. that, I was just thinking, I really like the guitar. Sounds pretty cool. <laughs> I like how they play it. It's pretty good. Guitar good. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on from that shit. <laughs> Go to the next song, which is called The God That Failed. So in my opinion, it's it's a decent filler song. I like the beginning because I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of bass. So anytime bass gets some yeah. sort of prominent role in something, I'm usually a fan of that. But overall, like for me, eh, I I can listen through the song, but I, I would probably never seek it out. Yeah, I, I'm actually the same thing. I kind of put this one as a decent song. You know, always this this um, this album is listenable, but probably one of my least favorites, if not my least favorite, on the album. Um, the one little bit of interesting note is that this song is apparently about James Hetfield's mother who died of cancer um, because she refused medical attention because she had faith uh, as opposed to she was a, a Christian scientist. Christian scientist, yeah. She was a Christian scientist, and so she refused the med- uh, medicine, and she, she thought she was going to get healed that way. Um, and so this is the God that failed her, and so she died of cancer, which is intense. That's, it adds a little bit more of complexity, honestly, when you hear mm-hmm. that story to it. Yeah, it's definitely on my lower end as well. So we're all in agreement. Look mm-hmm. at us. Um, but uh, <laughs> it, that so this song for me always conjured the I want to be angry at uh, a father figure or a parent or somebody. Mm. You know, I mm-hmm. see faith in your eyes, but you're the god that failed. Uh, it, it's one of those mm. I'm I'm so angry that I have to scream at the heavens, uh, and I I feel uh, despair because of it uh it's it's a song that makes you think um but mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. instrumentally the way it, it kind of is put yep. together i feel like it's definitely a filler song that uh you'll take it or leave it you're not gonna skip it but if you were going mm-hmm. to skip it that'd probably be the one that you would well let's move on to the next song which is the only one that jason newsted got a writing credit on uh and that is my friend of misery
So for me, when you hear the song at the beginning, even when the rest of the instruments come in, like you could listen to it and be like, this could be Tool. Mm. You know, you, oh, can, yeah. you can hear that until James comes in and then it's definitely not Tool anymore. Because mm-hmm. uh, he comes in with his, his kind of screaming, uh, screaming voice there. Um, another one for me that's just kind of good filler. Um, I like what they're doing, but I don't ever really seek this song out. This is definitely my least favorite on on the album. Okay. Um, I feel like it just takes so damn long to get into the song. <laughs> Jesus Christ, get it going, please! Like I, I am a fan of of the slow play of you know bringing more instruments in and more instruments. Just oh god! And then I, I don't know about you guys, but it does not feel like it kind of like drops off in the middle. Like there's just this, you yeah. Know, it, it, you're building, and then I'm just gonna go back to you know s- sipping tea, and then back. <laughs> I'm back. It's fine, you know. So you know, narcoleptic's dream. Um, but it, it, it's it's uh, definitely my least favorite of the album. Uh, yeah, and for me, it's more of like in the the middle to upper middle, even. Um, like maybe a number six. Uh, yeah, probably probably five or six. Um, I like this one quite a bit. Uh, I I like that that tool vibe actually because that is very tool style that mm-hmm. that, that can just uh, broke apart there it's like yeah it starts off with that bass and it kind of gets a little harder and then it just kind of then it comes back and sits for a while and then it comes back um so i i love hetfield's voice on this one i think he he, he drives quite a bit of it with his uh with his vocals and just his, his singing style so um i'm a i'm a fan and the bass is kind of different in this one and i do mm-hmm. appreciate that so well, so I'm a fan of Misery. You can definitely hear Newstead's influence in it. Yeah. And very famously, um, Metallica's writing style would be Lars and James would just go to Lars's house and they would write all the songs. Sometimes the other guys would like have a riff, but it was whenever they were crafting the entire song, it was always just Hetfield and, and Ulrich. Which I'm like, okay, what did Ulrich do? I mean, I don't know how good of a guitar half-time. player he is. He did ha- halftime, yeah. John. He did halftime. He did <laughs> and, half-time. and hawk it, and he ha- and hawked it. He hawked yeah. it. He hawked to the halftime. He hawked it to the other guy. Screw you guys! I'm going home. <laughs> All right, let's bring this home, and uh, bring it on to the last song of the album, which is called "The Struggle Within." Reaching out for something and you got the feel What's hunting the what you and that was real Kicking at a dead horse pleases you No way of showing your gratitude So many things you don't want to do What is the what have you got to lose? What the hell? What the hell? What is it you think you're gonna find? Hypocrite, hypocrite All right, so definitely another one that gives me uh, America vibes. Mm-hmm. That nice little marching drum at the beginning. Um, yeah. Again, for me, it's a good middle of the road song. So I'm not gonna say too much on it, just in case you guys like are thinking uh, higher or lower on it. But to me, it's it's not <laughs> much of. You know. To me, yeah, it's probably my in my middle pack. But I I I definitely still appreciate this one. Um, yeah, it's got a, a good simple driving feel to it. But I want to say I'm glad they kick it up. This is probably Kirk Hammett's 
my, his best solo guitar work that he does in this mm-hmm. one. Um, I would say maybe on the entire album. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. That they let they let him just kind of go go ham ham it <laughs> on this one. <laughs> so this is my favorite song. Uh, this is uh-huh. the America Freedom Boner of a song. <laughs> um, for more than just you know the drums the drums to start really kind of get you pumped and going um but going yeah. deeper into the song the strong the struggle within it's it's pulling yourself back from who you are and what you're supposed to do um it's something that all soldiers deal with when you deploy uh you may not uh, when you have that call when you have the call of yeah, duty we're back in the call of duty you know when you have to replace the batteries in your xbox controller yeah. it's, it's, it's a intense. struggle it's within in, yeah if you're going to put them back in thank you adam uh but yeah no it's it it's something you deal with you know are, are you are you happy being where you're at no are you happy with what you're about to do probably not but you do it and you know the the guitar solo from him is is outstanding mm-hmm. Uh, this is my mm-hmm. favorite song from him, as a matter of fact, uh, and and like I said, it it just it tu- it touches me in a special place, a very special place, uh, America. America. Uh, but uh, it's yeah, this is this is my favorite song off of the album, uh, in in a in an album uh, full of favorite songs. Uh, this is definitely mm-hmm. one where you're like, oh, that's my favorite. Well, that could be my favorite. That is definitely my favorite. It it doesn't matter because the entire album is great. Um, Mm-hmm. But I think this is the one that they placed strategically as the end. I feel like you're 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 spent. You're you you need more water because you're so dehydrated, and you know you're you're. But there's that last push. Let's let's finish it. Let's finish it strong, and and let's get let's go home. Uh, and that's where this song lies. Can't argue with that. No. All right, that brings us to the end of the album. Let's go into our final thoughts. I'm going to start us off. I'll let our guest have the last word on this, uh, since it was his. This was his choice. Um, I do enjoy this album. Uh, it's not one that I tend to listen to all the way through often. Um, for Metallica, I kind of am just more of a pick and choose guy. I'll pick and choose, you know, four or five songs off of each album that I like. And that's largely been it. I'm still a fan of the of the of the group. I've not had a chance to see them live, but I would definitely take the chance if if presented. Um, not at all would be uh, hesitant about that. So yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about the uh, album. I I love it. I, I it's probably all most of my favorite songs from Metallica are on this album. So I'm nothing real. I have nothing bad to say. So, Adam, why don't you go next? Actually, it's funny enough, my, my favorite Metallica, it's not my favorite, this is my favorite Metallica album. My favorite Metallica song is probably not a very Metallica song. Uh, it's from Load. Is it the Unforgiven 2? Three. <laughs> no, that, that was real. <laughs> Three. That was reload. No! <laughs> no. Um, it's uh, uh, Hero of the Day. Because uh, mm. that's, that's a very, I don't know, it's just, a, it's just a rock song, but I love Hero of the Day. It's a gorgeous, it's, a song. it's an it absolutely a song. beautiful song. Um, but this album is easily, in my opinion, their best album. I it, I do listen to it. I wouldn't say frequently all the way through, but when I start it, I absolutely go all the way through. And I typically will listen to it um, when I need to get out some energy, whether it's working out, whether it's or if I, you know, anything like that. Whatever I need to get some energy out or I'm just mad and I'm, I need to hock it, uh, then I'm going <laughs> to put this one on. Um, but this one, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic album. And I'm so appreciative of it because... This the the Enter Sandman from 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 MTV 
transitioned to listening to this whole album, which transitioned me to an entire new genre at the time that I still absolutely adore. And I would not, I doubt I would have the love that I do for like a tool for Rammstein, for the, all the, the, the Godsmacks, for the Seven Dust that I do, if it wasn't for this one that set me off in a great path. So echoing a lot of what Adam said, except for his extreme gardening, you know, when you have to listen to it, when you're really getting into the topiaries. Um, it's, yeah. This this album, like like I started with, it, it's literally the one that made me a man. Uh, it brought me mm-hmm. to a, a better realm of inclusivity for music, I feel like, because uh, mm-hmm. a lot of what I had was just very linear, you know. They stole my truck and my dog. My wife left me, but it's okay. I got the truck back. Uh, and I don't. I, I only shit on it because I love it. Um, country music has a great place for me, um, but this mm-hmm. album introduced me to everything else. Um, and I, what's really funny is the purists hate this album. We we brought we brought it up before. Mm-hmm. They really they, mm-hmm. they they call it the sellout album. You know, it's it started it. and in a lot of ways I see it. You know, again we, we bring up Unforgiven two and then Unfor- Unforgiven three, the sequel sequel. Um, so obviously <laughs> there was a little bit of that, um, but you have to find that happy medium and understand that one i don't give a shit what other people think i love this album Mm -hmm. this is what i'm gonna roll with a lot of my metallica playlist comes from this album Uh, my favorite song from metallica uh straddles between master of puppets and one um Mm, one is good choice one is probably like the the top but it's really close um but a lot of these songs really uh have a, a, a high place in my playlist and again if i if i start listening to this i don't ever start with nothing else matters or the struggle within it's inner sandman and then i have devoted myself mm-hmm. through the end um and, and and it's not something that it's angry or you know it's like uh you know i could skip no fuck that you're gonna listen to the whole thing because that's <laughs> why it was built um and it what's funny is i can only pick out like three or four more albums that i'm that way about where I have to listen to it from beginning to end, and I don't have any qualms about it. Um, but definitely, this this album really br- evokes a response from that that place of nostalgia to now, where it you, you know you remember you may have not understood the feelings you had for it when you first listened to it. You sure as hell probably don't understand all of the feelings that you have now listening to it. But in that middle place where you know everything evolves and grows uh the appreciation is also there so yeah this this album fucking rocks so before we go ken do you have anything you want to plug <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we forgot to mention this earlier thank you for bringing that up john and adam uh so yeah i started a podcast uh definitely thanks to these two uh and a couple other guys that we we are all friends of uh the dynamic yes. duel uh you know marvelous joe and johnny dc uh, shout out to them uh but really i started my podcast through you guys uh i i love movies i love old movies and i love shitting on things uh so i brought <laughs> these things together and then incorporated my expertise which uh I, again I'm, i make no qualms about i'm an ar- uh, an army soldier i'm a non-commissioned officer in the u.s army i've been there for 10 years uh going on 11 now uh so what i did was to figure out a niche I took movies that a lot of people have seen uh, and took those movies and you know you'll you'll see these people when they're when they're watching it uh, and usually they're military former military or just people that are in the know on a lot of things uh, they'll be watching a movie uh, 
coincidentally like my first episode on the Hurt Locker. Um, you'll start watching it, and then you'll just see somebody kind of fidgeting in the corner. Just some a scene <laughs> will happen, and that that person's just brimming with rage. Uh, my podcast explores that. Uh, I take scenes from these podcasts, uh, from these these movies rather, and uh, I break them down. Uh, and then I'll introduce the real world because that's what happens when a vet or somebody in the military in a know watches a movie that's just dreadfully inaccurate and he has to tell everybody about it. I am that voice. I have taken up that mantle uh, and I, I, I start explaining. So yeah, I just dropped my third episode. Uh, it's called You Call Those Tactics. Uh, it's out on all of the, the podcast world, uh, Apple, Google, and Spotify. Please like and subscribe. Uh, and I really appreciate you guys uh, giving me the opportunity to plug. Of course. Yeah, I uh, I have I have just because podcasting takes up too much of my time. I've only been able to listen to episode one. I vehemently disagreed with a lot of the things that you said, <laughs> but the podcast itself is fantastic. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that video, Adam. Let me hurt. Let me hurt. Hurt Locker is awesome. Oh, fuck that movie. <laughs> It's because of that movie I bought a hoodie while I was in Iraq that said I run I, in Baghdad. I own it. I own it. It's the best picture uh, winner. It's a fantastic film. It's because people suck, Adam. It's just it, people <laughs> suck and don't know what they're looking at or talking about. And it's okay. That's what I explore on uh, You Call Those Tactics. Yeah. All right. And that was our review of the album Metallica by the band Metallica. Please join us next time as we continue our spooky October as we're joined by Tess from the OCD podcast to break down the 1995 film Casper, discuss the TV show from the 90s, the spooktacular new adventures of Casper, and recast our Casper movie. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at BlastPassCast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la.